punks, go on my pub! Hello and welcome to episode 13. Unlucky for some, but not for you. Because this episode, we have the multi-talented and all-round good guy, Mike Scott on the podcast. Um, you may be wondering why I might sound a little different today, because I am recording in a different room. Uh, I'm not in my normal space, so it's a little bit echoey, but apologies for that. Anyway, let's move on to my guest of episode 13. Mike is the editor of the punk website Dying Scene, a champion of the podcast from the start. He's also the guitarist and vocalist for Lay on the Line, a bass player for uh, Phineas Gage, and also a solo folk punk artist. He's also a former member of the Brighton Pop Punkers River Jumpers and the reformed Oi Punk Band Anti-Establishment. I caught up with a very hungover Mike in London after he just got off the train after a very long-ass journey from the southwest of the UK. In my chat with Mike, you will discover how a trip to Madame Two Swords inspired him to discover punk, and Mike also reveals his criminal past. Uh, we debate Black Flag lineups and past albums, as well as talk about the contribution Minor Threat made to the punk scene. We reminisce about my old job at the Radio 1 punk rock show, R.I.P. And talking of R.I.P., I asked Mike why he is obsessed with death. We of course talk about Lay in the Line and Phineas Gage moving forward and Mike reveals why he left uh, River Jumpers and how he was fired from anti-establishment. As always, stick around to the end because Brighton Finest, 40 shillings and a drum play out the show. Until then, tell the people around you to shut the fuck up and enjoy Mike and me. This is episode 13 of Punks and Pubs. I mean, this doesn't. I, I work off um, uh, audition, but I do. It is an Apple that I do um, uh. edit off because I'm a media wanker. So <laughs> have to. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's have a let's, let's start this off. So we are in a very weird <laughs> bunker, I suppose we would call it. It's quite hard, so that's why it's echoey. It's intimate. And across from me is a, uh, a very, I'm going to presume, hungover Mike Scott. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Well known for being, um, we call yourself a journalist on Dying Scene. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself a journalist. Um, but uh, yeah, I just like to write about bands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Nosy band person and uh, lead singer, well, code lead singer. Oh, lay it uh, on the line, London. Would you say London based? Because you're based all over the UK now, aren't you? So yeah, well, I'm the only member left that started the band. So we were initially from Croydon, and yeah. now uh, now we've got well, at least the other singers from Darlington. So when I say evening, we're from like South London, 
like she gets really annoyed, but <laughs> I still feels that way. I'm I mean, still practicing. I can say all your all your uh, stuff on the internet all says you're from South London, and, and you seem to rag on South London quite a bit as well. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, the amount of bad press that South London and particularly Croydon get. Um, I, I just I, I try and even it up a bit. I just I don't see why it gets such a bad reputation. Like the only the only band I really know that that really push their, their Croydon roots is wonky in it because you know they're from they're like I, I bumped into Mark the other night in the George in Croydon just having a drink on a Sunday night and, and they're you know it's just you've got to be proud of where you're from um, when it gets such a bad reputation as, as Croydon does um, and so yeah I just just try and make sure that people don't forget that there is actually a bit of London that, <laughs> that, the, the, the other side of the river So for people who are listening to this who have no idea what Croydon is <laughs> Can you explain what Croydon is? Um, yeah, so I think the best way to describe it is what people think of New Jersey as compared to New York. <laughs> yeah. uh, Croydon is to London. Um, it's, it's a bit, it's biggest town in the country, um, but it's never been made a city because because it's inside the M25. Um, Don't you need a cathedral to be a city? Isn't, isn't that the law of the land? Might well, but wait. I know it's, it's got to the short list of, of like you know when they make a new city, and it like yeah. I remember it losing out to Wolverhampton, and I was like, fuck off, <laughs> <laughs> losing out to the Brummies. Yeah, I was like, that's not cool. Um, it's it's great. There's um, well, up until recently, there was four different weather spoons in the town centre as well. So you, you know you you, you, can't, <laughs> you can't rag on that, can you? <laughs> Uh, people don't know Weatherspoons is basically a cheap place to buy very dirt cheap beer where they play no music it's, it has no atmosphere apart from loneliness and self-pity yeah so uh, well they open at 7am and you can buy you can buy a beer can't you I, 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 the stag that I've just come back off like we did. We did end up going there each morning. Um, and Good breakfast, just, though. I, I, I like. It is a decent breakfast. The sausages aren't vegan, so like, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I found this out. So I ended up having chips for breakfast yesterday morning, which wasn't great. But um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you've just come all the way from Plymouth on the train, which is harsh. Like three and a half hours. Yeah. And the the, the trains down there aren't great. And they're expensive. I, I bet. It's 120 quid for a return ticket to Plymouth. Really? Yeah. There was a guy flying in from, from Zurich and it was cheaper for him to fly to, from Zurich than it was for me getting the train. Wee, British transport. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and are you happy selling people what you did on the train? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm not proud of it. Um, so, yeah, a stag day for one of, one of my good friends, um, a gentleman called Robert. And... Uh, was the best man so I did I did all the planning and then I was, I was sort of a bit stressy the first couple of days and yesterday I just let myself go I had a bit too much to drink and um, yeah puked up some red stuff the neon red stuff in the toilet on the on the train uh, I felt so much better afterwards though like um, I know initially this podcast was meant to be in a pub and obviously I, t- I text I text Liam and said I oh, I'm going to have to have a lemonade. But after that, I, I feel all right. I, I, I could have had a pint. I could have had a pint. <laughs> well, let's not test the boundaries because uh, yeah, yeah, these yeah. mics aren't wet white. Have you done Best Man Jew before? Yeah, I have actually. Because um, I've done two and I found them really stressful. But at the end of it, like I feel like I nailed both of them. Have you, how, how are you? Are you? I mean, I feel like I nailed the one I, I did, but then... You've had enough to drink, and you just you just think you nailed everything, don't you? <laughs> yeah. um, 
yeah, so funny enough, coincidentally, that one, he married an Austrian and this guy's married an Austrian as well. So half the people I'll be making a speech to won't understand what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Is that a good so, thing or bad yeah, thing? Yeah, it, it might be a good thing. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not great with public speaking necessarily, um, but... I've got enough stories from this weekend to probably make a whole <laughs> speech, so that's all right. Actually, it's quite interesting. So you're not a big public speaker, but you spend you spent most of your life up on the stage in front of people who are judging you from the off. Why do, is it because it's a group of people you kind of know, so that unnerves you? Yeah, I kind of the moment I said that, I knew you'd ask that question. <laughs> um, I, it doesn't feel the same. I, I totally lose myself on stage in the zone, and I, I often don't even notice the people I'm playing to which is I guess a technique you learn because I suppose I've probably played maybe eight or nine hundred gigs in my life yeah. maybe and a lot of them you know especially back in the day there was no one there so you know you have to get used to um, just sort of blocking out the audience because there might only be might be people really keen that have driven a long way but there might only be ten of them there so mm. um, luckily that doesn't happen so often these days but um, so yeah I feel a bit more removed public speaking <sighs> I feel I feel like I'm always I can I can write something down and I can make my point really well, but speaking I, I don't quite feel like I do that particularly well. Um, but when I'm on stage, it's it's you know it's fine, and I, I don't mind speaking between songs or anything like that. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's just a different thing. It feels like a different thing. Do you feel like because I always find that comedians are very well versed of having that interaction between audience and themselves where I feel that some musicians don't have that because it's not natural for them. They just want to perform. Whereas I feel a comedian really wants to connect. Yeah, I, you've got to have it a little bit. Like the, there's some bands that I think have always been handicapped by their inability to maybe engage totally mm. um, outside when the when the songs are finished, which should, we shouldn't matter that much. I mean, like, I remember when I was a kid seeing Rage Against the Machine and, and Zach didn't say a single word. yeah. Um, but when you're already a, a band of that of that nature, of that size, it's a bit different. But um, when you've got particularly shy people, um, say for example, they can be a bit handicapped by it. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind. I happily chat chat shit for between songs. I, I think when I was doing acoustic stuff for a little while, I think it got to the point where I was probably chatting more than I was actually playing songs. <laughs> um, I think it's that padding. Yeah, because <laughs> I've forgotten the rest of my tracks. Um, I think it depends on the day as well. Some days when you're having a, a bad one, it's, it's best to just keep your head down and yeah. just plow on through. But other other days when people are engrossed in it, you can you can you can talk plenty. I just want to say that if you hear rumbling going across, we're not in an earthquake. There's a tube above us. I think it's Paddington Station rumbling across. So uh, if you hear that, don't worry, we're fine. Um, so the reason that I wanted to reach out reach out to you. Well, because you are a guy who, like you just said, you've played over eight, nine hundred shows. Uh, you're someone who is very immersed, I would say, in the punk scene and community. You've you've been involved in two major punk websites. Uh, you've been part of Late on the Line, uh, River Jumpers, Brighton. For a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and then also uh, the old school Oi band, uh, what they're called, help me out. Uh, Anti-establishment. Anti-establishment. Yeah. Yeah, so they're the sort of things I do want to talk about because anti-establishment for me are a weird set in their ways. They kick me out, man. They kick, <laughs> um, 
Save that story. Can we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm happy to talk about okay, it because cool. uh, yeah, that's fine. So, but but let's let's do like all good stories. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, you've already said you were brought up in Croydon. Yeah. What kind of environment were you brought in? Were, are you, were you quite a working class kid? Were, were you automatically your family music orientated? No, no, not at all. Um, so my, my my dad was very very working class gypsy family. Um, he did he did well for he's done well for himself. Um, so I was pretty 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 comfortable yeah. growing up. No musical background whatsoever. Like all he had in his record collection was Rod Stewart and a couple of other things which I, I didn't like. You know, literally the only the only thing that was of any use to me was the Beatles, and they, mm-hmm. all they had was a couple of compilations. Um, so yeah, it was all what I learned off my own back really. Um, and yeah, just just outside Croydon, um, in a little town called Wellington, I had a, I had a Decent enough childhood. Didn't really like school. Yeah. Um, Don't mind me asking though. Do you like school because the Gypsy community do have a stereotype of not really embracing state schools or local schools? I, I wasn't aware that he was from from that background until I was a lot older. Okay, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't talk about. It. He doesn't like talking about it. Okay. Um, but you know, he, he, had, he had a rough. He had a rough old time. You know, his sister never went to school or anything like that. So yeah, it was. A, so he tried to do the things for me that he did he, he couldn't get do. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I think I've written a lot of songs about that. To be honest, um, never tell him to his face because it's not it's not the kind of relationship I have with my dad. I never never give him a compliment. He'd never give me one. But yeah. um, and I hope he never hears this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea. One day he just goes. I really want to actually get into what my son's doing. I'm going to look for a punk podcast. And yeah. This is the one he finds. And he'd be like. What the fuck's a podcast? <laughs> no, what what band was he? That no, no, Finnegan Gage. That, that's what that's what he was in. Yeah, no, he won't. He won't listen. He's this fine. self righteous cunt talking about himself. Uh, yeah, who do you think he is? Yeah. <laughs> you to any form of music do you remember was it your friends who go listen to this and you're like what, what's this uh he's really young it's like year five or six so that would be for for this country that'd be like 10 or 11 mm-hmm. um for some reason a lot of the boys in our class were really into really into their metal i guess they must have had old, older brothers and sisters which i didn't um but you know there's like guns and roses albums and then <sighs> much much to my shame, my first album was Def Leppard. <laughs> um, but my second album was Killers by Iron Maiden, which is still my favourite ever record. Um, so it, is, that the first, is that the album you bought with your own money? I always find there's a difference. I I nicked it. Okay, I, yeah. I, I, um, oh, fucking hell, I really hope my dad never is this podcast. Um, back, in, back when I was a kid, Boots sold music. And they were stupid enough to leave the tapes in the tape thing. Yeah. And they didn't have any um, security on the door, so I nicked it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was um, 
I ended, I ended up getting done done for shoplifting when I was about 11. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do have a follow-up question. When was the last time you nicked something? This rail fare. Didn't pay for it. <laughs> oh, I did pay for the fucking rail fare. Um, I got... Um, I was really struggling for money um, about four or five years ago and I got done... Using my dad's um, like over sixties rail cards going <laughs> going into his railroad station, yeah. and the guy's like, "What? Yeah," and, and, and I couldn't get back out. I was like, oh, "I can't jump the barriers." Like, you know, and he's like, "You can try and jump this place the other side. Like, you just don't do it." Ended up getting fucking fined like four hundred and fifty quid or really? something. Cause he, 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 I, I was like, I was like, I haven't got a penny. I need to get to work. Like, he took a statement for about half hour off me, and yeah, so. T- Learned my lesson, you know, so I, I, haven't, I can't think of anything I've, I've nicked recently. Did you not think, oh, I'll try and blag this and, and actually yeah. go, this is me? What are you talking about? <laughs> I've got that, um, what's his name? Uh, Benjamin Button disease. Nice. I, I get younger. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't go with that. No, um, they, they have a picture of him on, unfortunately. So uh, otherwise I could have, I could have tried the, yeah, no, I am 60. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't look a lot like me, so I didn't get away with it. <laughs> so what about punk music? When, when was the first time you were actually introduced to what you would describe as punk music? <sighs> I mean, it wasn't long after I got my first albums that I, I got um, a Sex Pistols album, which I have. I mean, these days I have no, I have no connection with that band whatsoever. But um, I feel there's there's a lot of now of just ragging on the Sex Pistols. Yeah, I, I hate that. They're they're, mm. they're a very respectable band. I, there was one particularly large band on Twitter, and and they just said something ridiculous like you know they're a fucking terrible band or something I was like they, they never were a terrible band and and mm. I still happily listen to them now I, I don't own the record anymore I think I must have music magpie my copy yeah. uh, but I don't need to hear it again but I, you know, I've always got respect for them uh, when you're 11 I mean it's, you know back in the pre-internet days it's, yeah. it's pretty awesome I, I'll tell you why actually I, do you remember um Madam Two Swords, the Waxwork people had a, a like a music one, like a um, is it Rock Rock Circus? I think I've only been to Madam Two Swords once, and I was a kid, and all I remember is <laughs> just giving the V's to Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> that <laughs> nice. is the only thing I remember. Nice. Madam Two Swords. Um, I, I just remember the, the Chamber Horrors bit. I want to go back to that. Actually. No, they had they had one just for music. I think yeah. it's closed down. Okay. But um, John Lydon was in there, and I just saw him, and I was like. That that guy looks really interesting. I must have been about eight or nine, mm. and then when that yeah, I was like, give him a listen. And I was like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Um, I don't really have any inclination to to any of that kind of stuff, but it was gateway band when you were a kid. Yeah. So where did that lead you then? Like from the Sex Pistols? Did, did the Sex Pistols then introduce you to like the Clash or the Stranglers or the Damned? I've got no, I've got no real affiliation to any any seventy seven bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is amazing for someone that's been to a Berlin festival for about the last 12 <laughs> years, right? Um, no, I, uh, so then I got the single of Longview when it came out. So yeah. then I went, then I went Green Day. Um, and then that was a gateway band for much little pop punk bands like Mr. T Experience, who is still one of my favorite, favorite bands. Um, and then I went a bit off the rails and got into more like Rocket and the Crypt stuff, which I didn't, I didn't, didn't really class as punk then, but I guess it, it has punk sensibilities. Yeah, so. I think it does. I mean, I think they're a massively underrated band in Rocket from the Crypt. So, I saw them, I, I bunked off school, 
They had a show in London in the evening, but in, in the daytime they came and played Beano's in Croydon, really? like um, half acoustic with like a snare drum and stuff. We waited about three hours outside, got them to sign on my copy of On a Rape and stuff like yeah. that, um, and some old seven inches. One of them, one of them, um, the guy was like, "How the fuck did you get a copy of this?" Like, I'll sign it twice. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and sadly, when I was skinned, I had to eBay it. Oh, um, did you get a decent price? Not enough. You never fucking do, do you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah and then for a long time I was into my post hardcore and stuff like that you know when you sort of go through a pretentious phase where you, you, <laughs> you just, yeah and then like everything on Discord Records there's a band called Blue Tip I think almost no one's ever heard of no I don't know um, yeah they were on Discord I, I fell in love with them um, and meanwhile while that all happened I, I mean I still skate punk and SoCal bands but like, yeah. always I, I don't know when I started listening to them but um, I remember I remember picking up Straight Ahead by Pennywise on the, on the day it came out so must have been at least by showing my fucking age man um, so it must have been mid to late 90s when I started listening to that and that's the stuff that really that's the stuff that still gets the hairs on the back of my neck standing up um, it, rather than anything 77 based so it was more like that early 90s kind of when No Effects rancid Pennywise was started kicking off like the epitaph kind of scene and then you also had like from New York you had uh, the, the the well Henry Rollins Black Flag I don't class him as Black Flag but Henry Rollins Black Flag <clears throat> and then um, Propagandy and stuff like that with that am I right in the right scene H2O yeah um, so I come, come across those in a weird order like Black Flag I got into because I, I actually loved Raging Speedhorn. Do you remember, that? Do you remember Raging Speedhorn? I do, yeah, yeah, I still yeah. fucking love Raging Speedhorn. And they used to do a cover of My War in their set. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd sort of listened to Black Flag. I'd not particularly given them a lot of notice. Um, I think I'm probably going to be the opposite of you by the sound of it. I was never a the fan King of Morris. the priest. Yeah, yeah, I did. yeah. It's a bit too... When you actually when you actually hear like Slip It In or something like that, like when... when Greg really could do whatever he wanted. That's the stuff I love. Yeah, um, yeah. But I didn't really, I got into that pretty like shamefully late. Like, so, um, but yeah, like by then I'd already, you know, been listening to the Vandals for years and stuff like that. So I kind of went backwards on that. Um, a minor threat, I guess I'd always listen to, but I'd never, I've, probably people hate me I can give or take it or leave it to me. I'm the same I, I everyone <laughs> talks about minor threat as like being one of the bands of early hardcore for me I, I really couldn't give a shit they, they all for me all they really did they did some good songs but they kind of put straight edge on on the map in in a more of a I don't know what right word is um in on a bigger sense on a bigger scale and they gave it more of a, a weight because you had um What's his chops from Fugazi and Ian. 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 Ian? He he is a he's a good spokesperson. He's very confident, and I feel that's Minor Threat's contribution towards punk music for yeah. me. Their, their contribution for me is is more. It's not so much music. Right? Mm. I think that I think that's similar things to what you're saying, uh, which is the same with Black Flag to an extent. But I, I genuinely do love. So, some of Black Flag, not all of Black Flag's material, fucking hell. <laughs> Family Man, Jesus, oh, that is a hard album to listen to, but um, some of it. I'd, Having ourselves a brew. That, that's awesome. That is not a good song. I refuse I, to admit that is a good song. <laughs> <laughs> Watch TV. 
I love Damaged. Um, that was the, f- the first album I got of theirs, and I, I don't think it left my my stereo. You know, back when you had a CD changer, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it didn't leave. It didn't leave for a long time. But the production is so bad that you just like <laughs> I, these days, like you put it on your iPod and you, I say you just I don't know, so I've just been listening to have art or something it's something that's recorded sonically really loudly and then that comes on and you can't even hear it is so <laughs> um so yeah I, i'm a bit of a snob when it comes to that like say say like i love slater but i find myself listening to the newer stuff a lot more just because it's so sonically better um so some of the early 80s bands i just can't listen to because of because of the standard of the recordings more than anything oh, else. really um I think the only exception to that is probably Seven Seconds. I, I love Seven Seconds, and some of their early recordings are almost inaudible, but it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, usually I'm. So that's probably the same reason I'm not necessarily into '77 punk because it just it doesn't stand the test of time for me the same as Pennywise does. Like just and a lot to do with the acoustics of the recordings. Hmm. I mean, but most of them all have now been digitally remastered and and spruced up and tidied up and. Yeah, and put back out there. Yeah. Um, so, how submerged were you in the in the in the pub the punk subculture? Was it like w- you spoke about skateboarding? Did you pick up a board? Did you give it a go? Fall off, break your neck, and fall fuck this. This ain't worth it. Um, as as a man that's six and a half foot tall, I got a very high center of gravity. <laughs> um, I'm not a graceful man. Um, so I joined I joined a band called Phineas Gage back in. 2003 and they were all skaters like skate punk music they all skated they were awesome I didn't I t- tried yeah like you say just just fell off yeah. um, you know they pissed themselves laughing and that was it so yeah submerging the culture um, I think I was submerging the culture of music geekery just, just being a proper geek with music um, spending all my money on records so I didn't re- I didn't really think about what genre stuff was particularly. Yeah. Were you more attracted to labels than you were the bands as well? Because that's something I found when I was discovering punk. I would go to certain labels and, and listen to like uh put the boot in and um Yeah. And yeah. So it's label samplers particularly. Um and then the other thing was if you say you're from Nottingham, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So um what's the name of the record shop in Nottingham? Rough Trade? Nah. Um Was it Rough Trade? The one just off the the main select, select I want to say selectors. Anyway, it was a few years ago, um, but they used to put a disc- like they'd have um, a section on um, American bands and, and punk, and then they'd write a description of all the music on there. So yeah. I'd just I'd go on that. I, yeah. It wouldn't necessarily I'd, I'd knew what the labels were. Sometimes I went by labels like it's a Discord, for example, yeah. that you can really go wrong. But other times I'd just go on what this really geeky like bearded guy had, had written on on the CDs in there. Um, Yes, but spent all my cash in there. Um, and, but yeah, label samplers really help because they're always dirt cheap. Like back in the day, you pay yeah. like one ninety nine for a Fearless record sample or something yeah. like that. And then before you know it, you've discovered Big Week and you're just like, yes, this is awesome. So you have to go through a lot of dross. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And and there was like in the late nineties, there was some terrible second rate punk bands in America as well. <laughs> some of the ones on them compilations, like. Um, the guy from the Vandals had a label, Kung Fu Records, and he put some. I, I picked out the samplers the other day because I was trying to like, I was moving. I was trying to cut my record collection down, which is tragic. But I was looking at the bands on some of his comps, and I was like, oh fucking hell, these were rubbish. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, you never hear from them again. Um, but I think there are some decent one album wonders out there. Like for me, British bands, uh, they're not really necessarily punk, but Testicles for me 
Or is that band who released one album and then fucked off? And I, I love. I don't think I ever heard them. I just saw yeah. for about a two week period. Like I think everyone in MySpace was absolutely obsessed. <laughs> yeah, with them. yeah, yeah. And then, and then they let, just disappeared off the face of the earth yeah. after getting massive. Yeah, and it was like, now nah, we're not doing it. Like, I've got, I, I've got so much respect for that. People that have no interest, like in in any of the the sort of fame or people, like doesn't matter how famous they've got they've still got all their principles and they'll just stop something. Yeah, cause it must be hard to, to just leave all that money on the table and just go, nah. Often you've probably right. done all the effort as mm. well. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of plenty of people, including myself, that have been in bands that would probably kill for that situation and spend years <laughs> and years going for it and, and not getting it. And then you just see, and I've got so much respect for people that just go, no, that's it. I've done. I've, done. I've made a good album. Yeah. That's it, I'm done. Uh, before we start moving on to bands, uh, what's the most underrated punk album for you? Most underrated punk album. Yeah. Could have done with a bit more notice in this. We can come back. To, we can come back to that later. Uh, I've, I've, I probably would say I love Consumed. I think they're the best English band ever. I and I'm uh, admit I've not. not heard you it. never heard Consumed? No. This is all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, they um, they were on Fat Wreck for one album. Okay. Um, and they they're mainly well known because they had a song called Heavy Metal Winner on a computer game of some kind. But their like second album, yeah, they got. Yeah. I think it was Tony Hawk. Was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I so, mean, someone, will, someone will tell you when they've listened to Popper. And then the second album was on a, a little label called Golf Records. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I remember Golf, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it did, didn't sell any copies and they split up. Um, and it took uh, years and years for even consumer fans, I think, to really get into it. Mm. But the second album is absolutely incredible. Um, and it never leaves my car. But, yeah, so I think that's the most underrated album. So let's talk about music then. Like, like we said, you, you've, you've played 800 plus shows. Do you remember the first time you got on stage? And who was it with? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Back when I was at school, I was in like a terrible indie band, just just because I wanted to be in a band. I just wanted to be in a band, and I, I joined joined one that needed a bassist, and I, I didn't really like the music. But um, yeah, so I did a couple of shows with them to to mates and stuff, and I'm glad that there's no. Uh, evidence of the music uh, I'm sure existing there in it. somewhere. There well, somewhere. somebody would have pulled it out of the woodwork, but somebody at, a, like, um, <laughs> at my wedding or something would have pulled it out. Um, or may- maybe my ex wife found it and that's why we're divorced. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, um, Saving that. Yeah. Um, but the first show, otherwise, um, I was in. I was in a band before I joined Finish Gage. We, we we just did a few shows around Nottingham when I lived there. Yeah. Um, it's like a post hardcore band. Um, I sort of that felt really nice just for playing shows in little pubs in Nottingham so other other mates like oh, the same like six or seven bands that would just come and watch each other's bands yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I was very nervous um, I do actually remember Paul that started Punktastic he came and reviewed us once and I think he said something he wrote it like I was just like a nervous ball of energy or something like that and it's probably probably was the case yeah i would cringe if there was any footage of that knocking around as well so how did you pick up your first bass like 
was it a gift from your dad or your family or was it something you purposely saved up to get or was it a hand-me-down or did you nick it I definitely paid for it <laughs> I definitely paid for it um, I always had a bit of a man crush on um, the bassist from uh, Guns N' Roses Duff, Duff Duffy yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he had white Ibanez um, with like a black headstock and I absolutely loved it so um, I couldn't afford that so I just got whatever I could but I, I wanted to play the same instrument as him basically and at the time like there was a culture of uh, like Britpop and Oasis going oh well the bassist doesn't need any talent anyway so I was like well this has got to be the easiest instrument to, to pick <laughs> yeah. up I didn't have any lessons taught myself um, and I think it probably took me a very long time to not be shit. Eventually, I took up the guitar as more than the bass. Yeah. I find it slightly more rewarding instrument to play, to be honest. Um, you can't sit at home with a bass and impress yourself too much. Like, <laughs> well, I've got um, and a Thunderbird now, which is the... I always loved them because the bass is from Ash used to have one. Um, mm. They're like sort of weird shape. Uh, bass things so I've got one of them and I, I do sit at home and play that just because it's absolutely beautiful yeah weirdly actually I spoke I was speaking about Ash um, in the last interview I did uh, talking about how for me they were a band who I fucking loved live more live than on, on the album and I, I remember a show just speaking about Nottingham as well in the basement and it's still class as one of my favourite Ro- Ro- Rock City Rock City yeah in um, the rig oh, I think so the rig or they had, I actually worked in there for I worked in there for one night um, and I got my ass pinched by so many um, middle aged ladies that I just I was like I'm not going back to the £4 an hour for having my ass pinched by 50 disgusting perverts <laughs> um, so there was the rig and then there was the basement where the, the basement. bands were yeah 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 and then the main stage. So Ash played in there today. Yeah, when they were like just 1979 was about to hit off uh, before they released whatever the album after that was. But they played in that small I, I, room. I didn't pay any attention after that. I did, the oh, really? little mini album they did first off and then that album. Yeah. Was it, wasn't it 1977? 1977, just, sorry, yeah. not 1979. Yeah, that's a great record. It's a good album. I don't think I ever saw them live until they reformed years and years later and they were totally underprepared and they were absolutely crap oh really yeah. <laughs> they're still touring I, I yeah, noticed yeah. that they're doing a couple of gigs uh, soon actually I'm going to try and I, I, I've, I've seen um, I've seen stuff arrive in my inbox like people asking me to post stuff about them oh really but um, they're not a punk band so <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't make the cut <laughs> um, okay so let's talk about more about uh, Late on the Line so you were in sorry I've completely forgot the name of the band that you were in before Late on the Line um, you were with them for, for some time Phineas Gage Phineas Cause Gage because you you say you were a producer of Mike Davis's yeah so I used to do um, I was assistant producer for a while for Mike um, and when Mike moved to LA uh, he would basically record everything in LA and then we'll go my job was basically to go out and interview some of the bands who were in the UK and basically cut it up so it didn't sound like Mike was there so Mike would go we're on the phone too blah 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 oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah and when Mike's really just phoning it in yeah um, so yeah I was going to say because um, he was always really good to us and um in fact, that exactly happened. He, we, <laughs> we, we, um, we did a session, and then he, um, he like moment. rang, he, yeah, and yeah. then he, he he rang up, and then it made it sound like it was he was there. <laughs> yeah. But talking to Mike, though, I think there's been a massive hole left by the fact that huge man, like like the punk show got cancelled and it had been pushed in with the rock show. But Mike, like I legitimately feel Mike brought punk music in in in, in Britain 
like kick and screaming to a more of a wide audience. Totally. And the lockup stage at Reading was like, for me, the place you would go to if you were yeah. at Reading and Leeds. Yeah. I was, I, I, we're sort of talking about him like he's passed on, but... Well, well <laughs> so, I mean, he's a fireman now in LA, so... Yeah, and he, I think it looks like he's loving life as well. He is. He's always wanted to be a fireman. It's like his dream to be a fireman, yeah. so... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 it did leave a big hole. He's um, still dead to me now, though. <laughs> plus, um, the rock show has never played any one of my bands, I don't think, so uh, he, he always played everything. He, he was always kind, and he, he, he put on what, whatever the releases I was involved in. Yeah. Um, Did you ever play Lock Up? What, the, sta- the stage at mm, Red? In, we're ready, yeah, yeah. I think... I think we played... They used to do like on Thursday nights before it started. Yeah. I think we did that. We never we never got invited to the, the, the thing proper. Hmm. But my... I'd remember that. I, no, I, I don't think we have. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Yeah, so before... Late on the line. They, they were a hardcore band, right? Uh, no, it started off as... Um, before I joined anyway it was, it was pretty much um, a SoCal tribute band just d- double speed yeah double speed punk rock um, pretty by the numbers to begin with but when, when you love a type of music so much I mean there's still very much an underculture now of, of skate punk bands that, especially in, in mainland Europe that are perfectly happy unashamedly to just play something totally unoriginal but it's so there's, there's something about skate punk fans I was chatting to I can't remember his name. The it's Ben, I think. It's definitely Ben um, <laughs> uh, from a band called Despoilers. So I just happened to be watching, um, but I knew he'd been in skate punk bands for years, and I really enjoyed it. I just happened to be at a show. I didn't know they were playing, and it, it was really good. Um, I talked to him about like having skate punk in your blood and like not being able to ever s- stop it. And it, there's a there's a small but hardcore legion of skate punk fans that because there's not really many bands that do it. So mm. every single skate punk band you you know of. Um, and I, th- I, th- I think when Phineas Gage started, they they were just another bunch of those kids that just there was so no effects ruled their lives from yeah. the moment they got up until the moment they went to bed. So um, it, it, was, it was very much that kind of stuff: play as fast as you possibly can. So um, leaving uh, Phineas Gage was was it an overlap for late on the line, or was it done with that band now moving to this band? It was never my intention to to leave Phineas. I, I, I I think we got to a stage where there was no need for us to ever split up. Yeah. Um, but financially, we were killing ourselves, like, and we were getting too old to keep doing money to just money between tours. Um, it was getting getting all of us down. Um, so we were on tour in Austria, and the engine just fell out of our. It was so rusty, the engine just fell out of our van, and we all just had this sort of sad meeting of just like. We just need to get a plane home and stop stop doing this band. But uh, it's not been announced yet, so this this could be the first time it comes out. Um, we're doing uh, reunion shows with, uh, in July, so I'm quite I'm quite excited about that. So All over the UK and Europe, or it started because I don't know if you'd know a band from Canada called Mute, really technical uh, skate punk melodic no. hardcore band. They're playing a show, um, and our singer is so obsessed with them. It's like let's just let's just play this <laughs> and I was like really the amount of things I've offered and you've turned down and you want to do this um, so yeah um, spoke spoke to a couple of people um, got, got on that so don't know what other shows they're playing if they're playing some more maybe we'll do some more but then he was like well we might as well do a new EP as well um, seems, seems trendy for old men to reform and do EPs <laughs> at the moment so um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited about that. Um, but there was a, there was a gap of, of years between Phoenix Coast Press to the last show in 2007 or eight. Uh, I didn't form well out on the line until 2012. Um, yeah. But it's never been a full time band. It's always been a very part time thing. So it's, uh, we've been dormant for uh, long periods. But the, the, yeah, there was a, a good five year gap between the two. So was that where anti-establishment and river jumpers was in between? I did some acoustic stuff um, for a long time. Uh, river jumpers, no, river jumpers was in about 2015. Yeah, I, I was in them for a little while, um, but I'm I'm a dad, and the, the, the amount of gigging they did was not conducive with having kids, and, and yeah. there's only one winner in that in that battle. Um, lovely guys, good bands, some amazing choruses. about 2012 as well because they reformed and then they were looking for a guitarist and I replied to an ad and I thought this sounds quite interesting they've got they've got that quite a undertone of like hardcore like UK 82 style yeah. bands and they had an under, under, undercurrent of hardcore in their stuff I really liked uh, so I was like I'll give this a go it's getting out of my comfort zone um, I was like it ain't going to be hard to learn these songs so <laughs> um, yeah did, did that for a short period but um so how Didn't was that? End well. Well, I was going to say because you've gone from you've already admitted that like 1970s punk wasn't your deal, and they are for me very much British punk, oi punk, 1970s vibe after kind of Pistols, early 80s, that kind of punk, and you're going to be the youngest in that group by a million miles, and I'm going to guess your mindset and their mindset is going to clash. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll quantify it by saying two of them are absolutely lovely guys, yeah. and um, the drummer is, is, is a lovely guy, and he was put in the, he was put in the middle of something that he, he really didn't appreciate. Um, the yeah, the, the singer just just kicked me out. Like um, it started it started with the odd UKIP comment, and then the odd racist thing, and I was like, I, just, I was like, I'm not. I'm not cool with this. Like this isn't this isn't this isn't cool. Um, and um, before I know, I'd, I'd been kicked out and blocked on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> for yeah. the best, though, probably. Oh, it's a full of yeah. Yeah. Funny enough, when you reply to an ad, it doesn't say "you keep cunt" in the uh, in the uh, in the advert. So um, it's worked. It's worked out well. I again doubt he'll hear this, but. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, late on the line, <clears throat> it was a four piece, right? It still is. It's been everything. No, it's five, five of us. Five now. Okay. And 
how did you how did you meet were four friends or was it uh so initially myself my little brother who again i hope he doesn't hear this because i don't want to give him a compliment but he's he's just one of the most exceptional drummers uh you'll ever meet and um a guy called dave who used to be in not katie's if you remember them yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um we thought we'd we try and create what was the most generic hardcore band going um, for just for a laugh. So we chose the most generic hardcore name we could possibly think of that hadn't already been taken. I think Matt Drummer was, was a really big fan of a band called Miles Away from Australia, and they sung about. Um, they did mention that on the line, so he's like, "Well, we can nick name from quite a, a really good generic hardcore band, and then use that as the name of the band." So. It didn't. It just didn't work out that way. In the moment we did our demo, it, 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 it wasn't what we anticipated. It, yeah. None of us can play beat down hardcore. Like it's, it's not the way. If you, if you listen to Fugazi when you grow up, you, you can't suddenly then pull out, you know, like knuckle dust. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> like so. Um, yeah, we did a demo, um, and just between then and now um, had something like 15 members and I, I nearly gave up on the band because it, it was just so difficult to find anyone yeah. to stick with it but finally got a decent setup now everyone's everyone's happy I mean we, we toured for a while with an old setup and we just argued all the time just a lot of like the directions we wanted the music to go was totally opposite I like a, a good chorus and, and double speed stuff and and when you're involved in a band that's trying to make like shoegazy stuff, it, it did. So we ended up splitting off into two, and the rest of the band went off, formed their own band. Um, and I, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to keep on with the name and, and find some other people. Didn't you at one point know both release an album or an EP under the same name? Uh, yeah, it got, it got it got a little bit complicated. Um, the yeah, we did an EP before the album, which. Um, Involved some parts from the people that had left, basically. Yeah. But they went off and did an album of themselves under a different name. Okay. Um, a band called Black Sea Fleet, um, which is much more what they wanted to do. Um, and I, I think at the time as well, I was in a really bad spiral with drink. Um, and I probably wasn't a particularly nice person to be around in a band. So I think they, they probably did well, did well <laughs> to get out of it, really. Did you, so would you say from now until then... Like, have you mellowed more as... Because I'm guessing now, seeing that you're the only member, original member of the band, you're going to claim it very much as your band. I don't like doing that. I, if, it, if it was up to me, I, would, I wouldn't I would even be the one speaking on, on stage. Um, I don't like being in videos or anything like that, really. I, I, um, but the others always... They always say, like, if we're writing a song, they'll be like, well, it's your band, you fucking decide. Um, I can't shake that off, really. Um, but, yeah... I, if people have got an ego about bands then it always spells disaster it yeah. never ends well um, I'd never say for example put certain names on the writing credits or something like that <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I just don't don't understand people that are that way inclined so yeah very much a democracy um, but are you quite a compromising person or can you be quite confrontational like, if you believe that your way is the way and people aren't listening to what you want. Are you quite a stubborn person? I think the best bands, the best albums from the best bands are when you've got people pulling in different directions and bringing out a middle ground between two two good ideas. Mm -hmm. It can be too far when you literally can't agree on anything. But, um, you know, we've got, a, we've got a guitarist that's very much from a metal background, so he, he adds 
he had stuff uh, I can't I can't write it because I can't play it like yeah. the, the stuff he comes out with is, is exceptional um, Polish guy called Jacob we've we got a, a Polish mercenary in um, yeah so I think it's, it's when you've got a group of people that are pulling in different directions but you can all agree eventually um, and you've, you've got to have common ground like if you don't all love at least one or two bands I just can't see how you'll end up making music that you're all happy with really. yeah um, I, th- I think when you've got four or five people where you all love the same music, then you can get some pretty generic stuff. Hmm. Um, and that doesn't really do it for me. Uh, so your want of not really wanting to be in the spotlight, wanting to be the f- person who's speaking all the time, is that why you brought Alice in? Because you wanted to share that duty? Or was it like, she's amazing, I want her in the band somehow, I, I'm happy to take a step back? Pretty much. I mean, first of all, I really don't like the idea... There's no need for a band to be all male in 2018. <laughs> there's, just, there's just absolutely no need for it. Um, and her voice adds something that, um, you know, I, I could, none of us could could add. Um, exceptionally talented. Um, I saw her in her main band in Evil Hour um, at Rebellion Festival. Um, they were playing on the main stage and they were they were awesome. I just I, I was walking through I'd walking through the main stage like probably on the way to the bar. That's all you do at that festival, really, isn't it? And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, wow, she has got a pair of lungs on her. Um, so we started talking and um, I was like, just just come and come and do some vocals. Um, but it was quite embryonic for the album, for the debut album. So we, we do, like, I'll do a whole song and she'll do a whole one. I think we're writing a second album, that's not going to happen. We'll very much split songs down the middle. Yeah. Um, which is also great because when you're on stage and you're out of breath because you've just screamed your head off, um, you, you can get away with a bit of a break, which is good. So how how have you how did you find that shit? Like it must be weird from from being the singer or vocalist to all of a sudden co-vocalist. It's just there's enough there's enough hardcore bands with a guy screaming his head off, and and there's not that many with two people screaming their head off. Um, <laughs> So it's just a natural progression. It feels right. I mean, because she, she's in a band that plays a lot of other shows, we initially said, you know, we might have a set ready when when you're not around. Um, Alice and we'll do it as a four-piece. But we all just decided, no, we just, we'll just turn down the shows if you can't do them because yeah. it doesn't, doesn't feel right. Well, I was going to say, how does that work? Because your band are scattered all over the UK, like you mentioned right at the beginning. How does that work in trying to get together and, and, and plan a tour, plan an album and and just kind of practice as well? Uh, we we write remotely usually um, and then practice as a full pace. Um, and then she's she's so talented that she, she doesn't it, it doesn't really matter. I mean she can she can not play with us for six weeks and then be spot on when she when she gets to the show. So um and most people have a better memory than me for for lyrics as well. I'm I'm fucking terrible for remembering lyrics, but um, if that's not a problem, then you're usually all right. Basically, it, it is expensive, and and then so like promoters will, will message us and ask if we do a show for you know for, for door split, and we can't always do it simply because we'll, we'll make a fucking massive loss. And I've never wanted to be someone with guarantees or anything like that. Um, usually, steer clear the booking agents for the majority of my life, but. You've got to be pragmatic at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, you've kind of already spoken about hard times with money and, and being in a band, I've, I've kind of pushed this before. It's not an easy thing to do if you really want to push your band and not just play in your town. 
it's a lot of investment in and truly believing that what you do is good. Is that something that was surprising to you when you were starting out and now it's something that with an older hat on you're more aware of and you plan more? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, it's a whole different scenario. Like back in 2003 when I started, we all just lived in a mouldy rank house in Brighton. Um, all we had to do was pay the, pay the rent. Um, I, think, I think we probably all claimed that we were students so we didn't have to pay council tax, <laughs> um, even though none of us were. Um and when we went on tour, could probably just about get by on job seekers allowance. Um, but now, you know, I've got I've got kids. So when you're a single parent, your life is very rigid. You know, you, you have to stick to quite a, a strict schedule. So um, also, our drummer's a pilot, which makes it even more difficult because you know we can be like, oh, there's a slot going at the underworld, like you want it, and it's like. I can only tell you in three months' time whether whether I can do that show or not. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of planning that takes to, to to do any gigs. I mean, we we don't we don't do as many as a lot of other bands, mainly mainly because we are all, we have been doing other things, um, and because as I say, some of them have got other bands as well. So. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your obsession with death. And because and, <laughs> you've got two two EPs, one about the death of uh, caretaker, right, or headmaster of one of your schools, and then also an EP about a sailor who tried to do a round the world trip. Yeah, didn't work out well for him. Yeah, and am I right? This comes about a because the the headmaster actually happened to you in your school, and b you're quite a, like history buff, right? Uh, 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 to, yeah, I guess I am. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> what can you take I, a compliment there? <laughs> like the most hardest thing that's ever happened to you? Um, yeah, I, I, I was studying for a, a PhD, um, but I, I dropped out. I've since not. I'm, I still keep my. I, I love studying history, but I don't. I don't. I don't do it like I used to. Hmm. Um, I am quite obsessed with death. Yes, that's true. One of our EPs was about my friend Ben, who I always. I always said the same thing at shows. I, I tell people I don't care whether they like my band particularly, but there's one song about the day he was he got murdered in our hometown, and it's the only thing I ever really want people to remember about my band. Um, and then the headmaster thing, we, and we initially wanted to do every release about a particular point in history. We did end up giving that up because it's fuck, it's a lot harder than it sounds, <laughs> man. It's a lot harder than it fucking sounds. You get writing a whole album's worth of material on, on like probably what isn't a particularly big story. Um, yeah, he, he, I just thought it was an amazing story. It was, uh, it was before even me or my brother were out of the school, but um, yeah, the head teacher, it wasn't cool to be gay. It wasn't, it's probably in that time period anyway, but certainly not in the school we were in. So um, he, would, he would pay for rent boys on the sly and then he, he didn't pay one. So the guy went round to um, try and get his cash. From what from what I understand, um, ended up killing him. And we could never find out the details. They wouldn't let us, you know, when everyone tried to update the Wikipedia page for the school or whatever, it, it just goes instantly. <laughs> um, the, you can't really read about it, but so it was all like word of mouth, like what had happened. Um, but I was like, what an amazing story. Like, mm. that's that's got to be put to music. I don't know what happened to the guy that, that killed him either. I don't know whether he's in prison or not, but... Okay, he's not listening to this either. Well, I mean, if if you are, if you are, thank you for the uh, the idea for the. <laughs> thank you for the inspiration. <laughs> yeah, keep uh, slaying. Time, time, 
Okay, so let's talk about the future. I mean, you've already spoken about that you're gonna, you you're going to go back on tour, possibly or definitely with your old band. And what about late in the line? You you you're going to put out another album? You, you said you were. We're recording a second one. Yeah, I, I, I've gone off EPs. I've, I've, I feel I was being a hypocrite making them because I don't listen to them as much as I listen to albums. Uh, I, when you when I fill up my iPhone, it's very rarely with EPs. And, yeah. and I was like, I feel like you limit who listens to them because it's a lot of effort to go and get something and it only be four or five tracks long. So when you're starting out, that's great. Or if you're making a seven inch or something. But people only really want albums. Um, and I, well, I feel that anyway. So I was like, I kind of make what I want to make. So that would be a full length. So is that, you know what, you're going to put out self or label? Uh, probably this... I haven't asked him, <laughs> but probably the same label, uh, a lovely gentleman called John who runs Disconnect, Disconnect Records, and he has for, oh, I think probably about eight years, based in London, and he mostly does skate punk stuff, but um, I twisted his arm to put out Late on the Line stuff because he used to love Phineas Gage, so I was like, would you like to put out stuff that you like less than my other bands? <laughs> um, yeah, so um, stick with him, I'm guessing. So you excited, like, moving forwards? Yeah, I, I am. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. This will be the first time that all, all five of us are involved in the writing process, and it's 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 sounding sounding really good. Um, as long as I'm happy with something, I, I've come out of recordings before and not been sure. And if you're not sure yourself, no one else is going to be sure. Yeah. Um, so we go and record in the ranch in Southampton, which is where loads of people record now. Um, a guy called Daly used to be in Drones, um, if you know them. No. Um, yeah, he he does amazing work, so I got I trust him to make a, a good album for us. So. so let's leave on something that I think you'll find interesting. What's your favourite conspiracy? My favourite conspiracy. When I say favourite, the one that winds me up the most. Um, I when you when you talk about history, I'm I'm really obsessed with Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing of people still believing the ridiculous theories, like the one in from hell with the like the Royals being involved or stuff, it really winds me up. Um, so, that, that yeah, that grates on me the most. Um, so, do you, do you think you know who did it? No. If you no, did, no. that'd be a great, that'd be a great uh, end no. to the podcast. No. So name someone. <laughs> no, um, it's probably going to be a really boring answer. It's probably going to be some guy that we're never going to know the name of yeah. that was just local, penniless, and just, yeah, no one's going to know. Well, <laughs> cheery time to end the podcast on. Yeah, but, man. Uh, Thanks for doing this, Mike. And awesome. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you to Mike for taking the time to hang out with me. Phineas Gage have shows up and down the UK, so go and check them out. As always, links will be on the social media website. I am going to wrap this up because I am in somebody else's room and I don't want to uh, stand here like a tit while he is over there looking at me. 
probably judging me. He's nodding. Yeah, he's judging me. Anyway, thank you to you guys who went and did your duty and told free friends about the podcast. Gold stars for you. For you fuckers who didn't do that, why not? Go do it and report back to me on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Punks and Pubs. Go rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find the pod and together we grow. It's come to that time where I hand over the podcast to you and this week I hand it over to Brighton bass folk punk rock band 40 Shillings and a Drum. This is a track taken from their EP Beggars We Believe. This is Beggars on the Streets. As always, if you go into a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up. Until next time, bye-bye. Short don't think very highly of us From far old crowds, steely glass Roll down their nose in this mud Is what we become accustomed to Snakes inside, whispers of us From clueless creeps who came from behind From shoulders of the sun Try to brainwash a pin and a mash their views Like a long iron nail between a carpenter's finger and thumb they wanna hammer us down to the place where the rest of them And they say it's nice to meet us But they couldn't give a fuck Reluctantly shake our clammy hands With a patronizing good luck And they say again it's nice to meet us Turn their back on us and then To them are just beggars Beggars on the street Imbeciles win, let passion crumble and cave in But that's not how we do things We could let our tempers boil and overflow Tell the chunks exactly where to go Well, there's no sweeter thing I know Ain't got a one day God will show We will say why we are old There's no sweeter thing I know Ain't got a one day God will show
While the beggars on the street Swirl the beggars on the street 